A lot of girls who write to me, they know that their relationship wasn't what it was supposed to be. They know they deserve better, but they're still struggling and they just can't find a way to heal. So looking back, you were, you know, traveling through Europe and you were having your self-discovery. Is there something that you can say what helped you in your healing journey? Yeah, I think meeting yourself where you're at every single day. So there are days where you are going to be really, really low and feel like shit. And there are days when you're going to feel like you've taken five steps forward and days where you feel like you've taken 10 steps back. And all of those days are okay. You have to be willing to meet yourself where you are and be compassionate and have grace for yourself every single day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bougie Best Friend Podcast. I think you're going to need some popcorn for this episode because I interviewed Gabrielle Stone. Gabrielle is known by her book, Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. Gabrielle kind of took social media by the storm when she posted a video sharing how her then husband was cheating on her a year and a half into her marriage. She found out that her husband has been having a six month affair with a 19 year old. Fabulous, isn't it? She filed for divorce and left. Soon after, she fell madly in love with this guy who convinced her to go on a month-long trip to Italy. And then 48 hours before the flight, he told her that he needs to go alone. So she had two options, go to Europe solo and explore herself or stay home and mope and cry and feel bad about herself. Basically, this is just a crazy story about heartbreak and how to cope with heartbreak, and what did she learn from all of these crazy experiences. So without further ado, let's welcome Gabrielle to the podcast. Gabrielle, welcome to Bougie Best Friend. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm fucking obsessed with the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am fucking obsessed with your story. I can't Aww. wait to dive in and I'll just say that first off, you went through a lot of traumatic experiences in your life and you are publicly sharing all of that, which is helping thousands of millions. I don't even know how many women on a daily. So that is, first of all, thank you for helping women heal. And I'm sure this story is going to inspire a lot of other women to maybe, you know, go after what they want. So love your content. Thank you. Thanks, girl. I appreciate that. I feel like you and I have a very similar goal to give women that inspiration and that power they need to know their worth. So I am uh, happy to be here and spread the good word. <laughs> okay. So I came across one of your viral videos. I don't even know when, probably last year or whenever you start posting on TikTok. So for somebody who maybe did not come across your videos, can you give me a little background of who you are and what you're known for? Yes. So my main story, I guess now of what I'm known for. I I always say it kind of happened to me. I was living life in Los Angeles as an actress trying to like make my career happen, had just started directing and I was married very happily or so I thought for almost two years. And I found out my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months, among a lot of other extramarital affairs that came to light during my private detective era that I had. <laughs> um, and I filed for divorce and left. Shortly after that, I met this pretty well-known Hollywood actor, fell madly in love with each other, had this whirlwind romance that was like, meet my family. I'm going to have babies with this person, like all the fairy tale bullshit. And mm -hmm. he invited me on a month-long trip to Italy with him. 
48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was absolutely devastated. Like this man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And I was sitting in a pool of tears on my bed at my mother's house in my childhood bedroom because that's where you move when you're 28 and get divorced (laughs) and was like, all right, Gabrielle, you have a decision to make. You can either stay at home heartbroken or you can go travel Europe for a month by yourself. So I took a backpack and did six countries over the span of a month and I wrote the book Eat, Pray, FML. Okay, I want to get into the details because I'm a <laughs> yes. private investigator myself. So <laughs> aren't we all, start- girl? Aren't we all? <laughs> okay, let's start with your marriage. So you guys were married for how long? We were married for almost two years. We were together for five and we got engaged rather quickly. He proposed after like eight months um, when mm-hmm. we were on a trip to Hawaii. He proposed under a waterfall with this beautiful ring. It was all very like lavish and romantic. And because we got engaged so quickly, I was like, I want to have a longer engagement just to make sure this is the right fit and the right thing. So we were engaged for two years. And then we had this really beautiful wedding that my mom worked her ass off to pay for, took a took a honeymoon after that was equally magical and came back and settled into a three bedroom house that we were renting and like everything from the outside seemed pretty picture Mm -hmm. perfect as I thought too even being on the inside of it like everything seemed like it was right so this is the type of story that I feel like people are scared of the most when you're actually like you're actually happy and people always say like oh if you're getting cheated on you see the signs and you're just pretending like you don't but from your story like you really didn't know yeah no I did not there was there was a TikTok trend a while ago where People would be like, he was cheating on me while he was buying me flowers and giving me a key to his apartment and talking about wanting to have kids with me. And I think that's so real that like if you end up in a relationship with a liar or a narcissist or in my case, a full on sociopath, there (laughs) is like it's really it can be really scary. Um, Looking back on it now, I see warning signs of why. Can you give me a few? Yeah, totally. Uh, But it's warning signs of why it was not a healthy relationship, not that he was cheating. So he, from the very beginning, like never was comfortable with my career as an actress. He met me like trying to pursue this career. But if I ever had a scene where I had to kiss someone on camera or be intimate in any way, It was like hell to pay. Even if I didn't and there were just male co-stars on set that we would then all like go out to dinner or like spend time together, which is like what you do on a film set. He was like wildly jealous. And I was, you know, like I was like, okay, look, like it's not the easiest career for someone as a significant other to like be in. But when you know the ins and outs of the film industry, like doing a kissing scene in front of a film set is the most uncomfortable and fucking horrific thing you will ever go through. Like, I have trauma from those experiences, too, okay? There's nothing sexy about, like, making out and 40 people are staring at you. There's zero sexy about it. And they're like, hey, can you pause and, like, turn your butt this way and, like, angle your face a little more this way so your neck is, like, cranked? It's like, there's nothing sexy about it. But I still was compassionate to the fact that, like, you know, this is a new career industry for him to get used to. So we I was I just kind of wrote it off saying like we'll go to therapy, we'll work through it. Mm-hmm. We did. We we went we were in therapy for it like it was a continuous thing. And whenever he would 
blow up at me and tear me down for trying to do my job or being on a film set um, and start this big chaotic fight, he would fix it with something financial. So it was like, oh, I'm so sorry like that like I've ruined your time on set and made you cry. Let's book a vacation or let me take you to mm-hmm. a really fancy dinner or let's go on a shopping spree. Like very materialized ways of apologizing, which looking back on it now, I'm like, how was that ever okay? But when you're in your younger 20s, you're like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> like, I was about to ask me. how He's old were you back me. then? Mm-hmm. We were I, I was were you? In, I was 23, 24, 25, like before we got married when we wow. were together. Yeah, like so that is yeah, that is a similar time when I was going through my moments. And when you say stuff like, you know, he would try to spoil you with presents. And we sometimes see that in, you know, in movies like, oh, he fucked sure. up. So he sent flowers and that's what they do. And I want all of my listeners to know that when you are dating somebody who might be, you know, wealthy, if they're constantly giving you things and they're lavishing you with presents just be mindful they can take this all away in a second and they are controlling you that way and that's what I learned yeah and the (laughs) the materialistic things don't mean shit if there's not a genuine like worded apology backed by action like none of Mm -hmm. that means anything if those things don't accompany it So that was one of the big red flags. The other one was also like because of the jealousy around the career, he would say things like, you know, if you want to keep acting and pursuing this career, that's fine. But like you're going to be responsible for your half of like the rent and your side of the bills. If you want to stay at home and be like a stay at home wife, like I'll take care of everything. And like at the time I was like, all right. Like, wow, I have options. <laughs> like that's kind of weird, but like I'm not going to give yeah. up on my dreams, but now knowing what I know now and knowing like where his trajectory went after the divorce, that was him like the really early stages of him trying to like financially control me. And mm-hmm. that's really scary to look back on those red flags and be like, "Oh fuck, like thank God I got out when I did because it was really early stages of, you know, like Saying, oh, you you, have you ever thought about getting a boob job? Like you would look really good with bigger boobs. Like I am the president Mm -hmm. of the itty bitty titty committee and love having smaller (laughs) boobs. Like it's the fact that I never have to wear a bra is like one of my favorite things about myself. And he would start like putting these things in my head that were very clearly trying to make me into this vision that he had that like wasn't who I was. And kind of make you think like you're not good enough the way you are. Totally. Yeah. And like, luckily, I'm a strong ass bitch and was like, I'm not the one (laughs) like you have you have found the wrong person to try and manipulate in that way. But like other women aren't so lucky in that sense. You were dating for eight months then you got engaged and then you wanted to wait a little bit to kind of like see what was going on. But from the very beginning, you can say that there were red flags or they kind of started happening later on. No, I mean, the the jealousy and stuff happened pretty early on. But again, I feel like I didn't dismiss it, but made it like it's not a red flag. It's a yellow flag and we'll fix it in therapy and make it green. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Like we'll work through it. It's stuff that like is manageable. And I rationalized why he would be feeling Mm -hmm. that way. Okay, And then you got married, beautiful wedding, beautiful honeymoon. And then how did you find out he cheated on you? 
So it's so funny because when I decided to write this book, the marriage and the divorce, like, and all the cheating is literally the first three chapters. And then it's like, and then all this shit happened. Cause really, <laughs> the man after is the guy that really broke my heart. And the trip is where I went and rediscovered myself and had all these crazy experiences. But I at first wasn't even going to write about the details of the cheating. I was just going to be like, I was married. He cheated. I got divorced. Then all this shit happened. And my girlfriend was like, no, 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 Gabrielle. The way that you found (laughs) out about this was like a fucking episode of CSI. You have to write about it. So many people are going to relate to this. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So it's all written about in the book. But the cliff notes of it is I was going into our office. He was away on a business trip. And we shared an office at our house and his big ass iMac was sitting on the desktop. And I still till this day couldn't tell you his email password. And I walked in to get something out of our filing cabinet and his email started dinging like three or four times. So I went over to look at it and it was an Uber receipt going from where he was supposed to be in Florida to Miami. And that was Mm -hmm. all I need. I was like, "Mm." and this was like after some other questionable things had happened. And I was like already kind of like on the defense of like some I feel like something's going on. I didn't think he had cheated physically. I thought Mm -hmm. he was probably talking to some people inappropriately and there were some questionable things. But I was like, he doesn't have the balls to like actually do something physically. Vastly misjudged the size of his fucking balls, let me tell you. Um, so I I look at these Uber receipts and I start scrolling through some of the other emails and nothing seems like suspicious. And then all of a sudden, the Uber seats start disappearing and getting deleted in front of my face. As, as you are. Oh, God. As I'm as looking at the, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was because of that, I clicked on the trash email, started digging through the trash and like found out all the fucking receipts of like, oh, they went to the Four Seasons for a couple massage and like, oh, they went to this dinner place and this hotel and like all of the dates for those receipts matched up to like times when I was sick at home or when I was out with my mom or like when I was working, like it was all very, very calculated Um, and it was all right in front of my face. Okay, I have a few questions. When you saw those emails, what was the first thing that came to your mind? I think it was shock and disbelief um, because my intuition had been telling me something was going on, but this was so much deeper than I ever expected. I think luckily, because I had been so unhappy in my marriage for six to seven months, I just didn't understand why we had been going to therapy and trying to work on it and fix it, but I had been checked out for a while. So my saving grace of all of this was that I wasn't heartbroken. I felt Mm -hmm. betrayed and I felt rage and I felt anger um, because this was supposed to be my person who was my best friend at the time that like completely disrespected our vows and my body. But I wasn't heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And that was like, thank God that came later. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. that came with the actor. (laughs) Yeah. But for this specific thing, it was just like shock and betrayal. And then you went on your little private investigator journey and found out everything about their relationship pretty much. Yeah. How did you confront him? So I he was on this business trip. I found out that like he was with her for the majority of it and had like gathered all of this evidence to take to my attorneys and 
I didn't want him to catch wind of the fact that I knew everything because I needed to serve him the divorce papers when he came home. So when he did come home, he spent a couple days with her in Calabasas without telling me that he was home and then eventually contacted me and was like, hey, um, are you home? I, I just got back. Can can we chat? And I was like, yeah, sure. Come over. I'm, I'm at that. I'm at our house until, you know, two o'clock or whatever and set it up so that the process server was waiting for him to get there to hand him the divorce papers when he arrived. And when he got here, I was like, okay, if you want to come in and talk, we can, but like, I know everything. And we had one very short conversation, which again is, is all written about in the book. Mm -hmm. And I left the house that day feeling like I had not just dodged a bullet. I had dodged an army of fucking snipers And like the biggest weight was lifted off my shoulders that I was getting a second chance to get out of what would have turned into a very dangerous relationship. Wow. Crazy. I love this video that you posted on your TikTok uh, when you're like dancing and then you said like, can you can you retell the video? You know, it's pinned on your profile. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I like all the ones that go viral are always the ones you spend like five minutes in your sweatpants making. Exactly. And (laughs) that's the video that changed so much of my life. Yeah. So it's it's basically sums it up saying that I found out my husband was having an affair. She was 19 he lied to her and her family, told everyone his name was Daniel. I found photos of her on our living room couch, like straddling the pillows that my mother-in-law gave us. Um, so when I filed for divorce, I wrote a best-selling book about it and named his character Daniel. <laughs> Savage. I love it so much. Okay. Well, Daniel, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's let's talk about the guy after him, though. Yeah. The guy who actually made this all traumatic. So tell me about him. So in the book, his name is Javier. Um, as I said, mm-hmm. he was a, he's a pretty well-known Hollywood actor. Um, and we had, like, gone on two dates before I ever met my uh, ex-husband super casually. Like, I can't do casual, and he's the one person that I was ever just, like, casual with. So he randomly slid into my DMs after my divorce and was like, oh, my God, where have you been for the last six years? He's like, oh, funny story. And (laughs) he invited me to go out. And I was like, yes, I want to go out and like go to a club and make out and dance with this hot Latin guy. Fucking sign me up. Mm -hmm. Like, I just got out of a shit marriage. (laughs) Like, why not? This is the first person I could ever be casual with. Mind you, when I was driving away from my house, I was like, fuck men, I am going to be single for at least a year and be by myself. And the universe was like, fat chance, Gabrielle. Just kidding. Um, And we ended up going out that first night and it just went from zero to 100. It was like both of us were like, whatever this is, like the chemistry is so strong and like we felt this pull towards each other. And it just was like neither of us could stop it. And we, I think over the span of like four or five days, just fell in love. And he was like, mm-hmm. I'm going, I have an Italy trip booked. Like, I, I want you to come with me. And I was, of course, like, you're fucking crazy. Also, when are you leaving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was <laughs> leaving. <laughs> he was leaving on September 4th, which would have been my two year wedding anniversary. 
and he was coming home. Wow. Yeah. He was coming home. September 4th is your date. (laughs) Yes. He was was coming home on October 4th, which would have been or which is my father's my late father's birthday. So I was like, "Okay, universe, I hear you. I'm going to Europe. Like I'm booking the trip. Mm -hmm. And it all seemed very like, of course, I had to get cheated on and go through the divorce because look where I am Mm -hmm. now. And like this all Mm -hmm. happened for me to meet this person. And like now it all makes sense. (laughs) So then you had this trip with this hot actor planned. You're going to Italy. You're living life. And then what happened? So he about a year and a half before we reconnected, lost his brother to suicide and Mm. had obviously had a lot of grief around that and struggled to get through that. But when I came into his life, it appeared to me that he had worked through a lot of that and had kind of come out the other side. I'm also no stranger to grief. I walked in and found my father dead on the floor when I was six years old. I lost my high school sweetheart in a car accident when I was 18. Like, I've been to Trauma Town. I know grief. I've got the Mm T-shirt. Like, I'm aware. (laughs) So I really Mm -hmm. took at face value how he presented himself to me. And that although obviously that's something you never just get over, he really seemed like he had come through the darkness of all of it. And Mm -hmm. as I started meeting like all of his friends and his family, everyone was like, we've never seen him like this. This is so different. Like he's never been like this with a woman before. And I do remember his mom saying to me, you know, before you came into his life, like there was a darkness around him. And I feel like that's gone now that you're here. So I don't think I knew how bad things were for him in that department before we reconnected because he didn't show a lot of that to me. But a Mm -hmm. week leading up to when we were supposed to leave, he started like expressing all of this grief that was coming up to me. Um, And the way he explained it was basically, you know, like he had stuffed it all down. And when he fell in love with me, it kind of opened up the floodgates and all that grief that he pushed down came like bubbling to the surface. And two days before we were getting on the plane, he called me in tears and was like, I just feel like I have to go on this trip by myself. And it was this very crazy situation because on one hand, I was so sympathetic to losing people Mm -hmm. and to dealing with grief and to knowing those dark feelings and wanting to protect him when all my friends and family were like, fuck this guy. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand Mm -hmm. like what he's going through. Like you don't understand the situation. But then on the other hand, at face value, it was like this man that came into my life knowing that I was fresh off being cheated on and like getting out of a fucking horrible marriage, like Mm -hmm. had this whirlwind romance for me, convinced me to go on this trip with him. And then two days before we're getting on the plane was like, oh, psych, just kidding. I got to go by myself. Like, It was very confusing to be in the middle of those two emotions. And there was really never a thought in my mind of like, should I not go? I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason, not in like the toxic positivity way where people are like, everything (laughs) happens for a reason. You're going to be fine. Um, But in the way of like, I can look back at all of my traumas and all of my shit that I've gone through in my life and be like, okay, yes, it sucked that this happened, but I can see why it happened or 
how it made me into who I am today. Like I can see the good reasons that came from it. So in this particular scenario, I knew right away like why it was happening. As heartbroken as I was, I was like, I have never been okay being by myself. I've always like had this fear of abandonment from losing my dad, losing my boyfriend in high school. Like it's always been Gabrielle's afraid to be alone. And this was the universe's very clear way of making me go face that shit head on. Wow. And when he told you, just take me back to that moment. What was your initial like, what the fuck? Like, how? what would you what did you tell him? I remember being on the phone and just like having this surge in my chest that felt so devastating because I knowing what I know now. And like doing the work Mm -hmm. that I do with my community on my podcast and from writing these books, I know that there was a certain amount of love bombing that was going on. And Mm -hmm. I think love bombing can happen in two different ways. It can happen by a narcissist who's like consciously doing it to like really try and get into your psyche and like make you completely like fall into them. Um, and give yourself up mm-hmm. for them. And then I think there's the love bombing that's done unconsciously when someone has a void within themselves and they meet someone and it's making them feel better. And they're like, ooh, that shitty void I've been feeling is going away. I want more of this person and more of this person. Now she's my girlfriend. Let's like go on this trip to Italy. I need more of her in my life. And then eventually they're going to realize that nobody can fill that void and fix that void other than you. And it's going to dissipate. And eventually they're going to be like, oh, shit, this isn't working anymore. And then they back off and retreat. So not only was I like heartbroken, but I was heartbroken at like the height of the honeymoon stage when we Mm -hmm. were together for a month and a half. Everything was so hot and heavy. We were like about to go on this like romantic, incredible trip. And then it was just like pulled out from under me for a second time. Like this was the second time in like the span of a few months that I was completely fucking blindsided. And this time was like the real heartbreak, which came with it. Wow. Just the way you explain love bombing. I've never heard this before. The two different ways. I know the first way, but mm-hmm. the second way with them filling, uh, filling up a void that they had from, like, it's so fascinating. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I love having a podcast, because I can have conversations like these and have somebody like you literally open my eyes now in a second. Because I think that's what Love Bomber, you have never even thought of it that way. So then you went on a solo Europe trip. What was, how was that like for you? I mean, I know you said everything is in the book, but like, how did you decide like, okay, I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go there. Like, what, what were your friends tell me? Like, bring me back to that time. So our tickets were booked to fly from LA to London and then London on to Rome. I did the first leg of the flight and started my trip in London. He went on to Rome. So we flew the whole 11 hours next to each other. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, we did. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know that part. Oh, my God. We did. Okay, um, please tell me, tell yeah. me more. <laughs> um, so we flew together from L.A. to London, and then he went on to Rome, and I started my trip in London. And I'm like a crazy type A planner. Like, everything's planned out. I, I'm like very organized in my life. And I had zero plans for this trip because he... He was the one that was like doing all. Yeah, he was doing all the planning and stuff. So 
I ended up getting to London. Luckily, one of my good friends who I went to high school with lives there. So she was like, you can stay at my place. Don't worry about it. So I had a little bit of comfort on my my first country that I was stopping in. She was working most of the time. So I was like going out being solo during the days. But I would book whatever place I was going to go to next. I would book when I was in that country. So like on day three of London, I was like, all right, where am I going next? Let's book a flight to Amsterdam. And I would go to Amsterdam Mm -hmm. next. And I'd be like, "Okay, where do I want to go to next? Uh, Let's take a train to Paris. So it was very like by the seat of my pants, don't know where the wind's going to blow me next. And it was such a blessing in disguise because it made me release control, which is such Mm -hmm. a thing for me in my life. And solo travel, I tell everybody that can do it, like, go do it. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to go for a month, like, to somewhere across the world. You can, like, Mm -hmm. take yourself on a camping trip for a weekend. Like, you can go to an Airbnb one town over, like, but just go somewhere by yourself. It's so life-changing when you realize how fucking capable you are by yourself and that you actually enjoy spending time alone. And you get to know yourself in a totally different way capacity because so often we're at home on, you know, scrolling on TikTok and watching Netflix sometimes at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> most of the times it's like both yeah, you don't even watch. <laughs> they should have a category for like scrolling on my phone right. while watching Netflix. While this is in the background. Um and yeah. it's it really is a time where you can finally like just be with yourself and be present. And it completely changed who I was as a person. I came back from that trip a totally different human. Okay, I love that. I talk about solo travel a lot when it comes to, you know, whenever girls ask me, because I mean, I kind of, I'm still on a solo trip. Right. I moved here from Croatia yeah. 10 years ago. So like, it's it's still going strong, but you just learn so much about yourself. And you, as you said, you see how capable you are. And also when you're traveling with maybe even just your significant other or your friends or whatever, you're not going to do everything you want to do mm-hmm. because if you're with someone, you have to respect what they want to do. So maybe you want to sightsee, but your friend wants to chill at the bar and then you just don't get the same experience as you would get when you would just do it on your own. And I remember when I moved to New York, I was supposed to go with a few friends. Uh, we talked about this on your podcast, but yeah, by the way, for everyone listening, we did a podcast swap. Uh, so you can check out me on Gabrielle's podcast. But when I moved here, I was supposed to go with a few friends. We were all in school and it, it was we were all a part of an exchange program. And some of them bailed at the very last minute. And then people were like, yeah, Coco, well, you can't go alone. Like, it's scary. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm going to go. I'm not going to stop my dreams because like some girl from my class doesn't want to go. And people were always fascinated how they were like, how can you just be there on your own? And think about this. Ten years ago, people didn't really talk about yeah. you know, solo travel and, you, you know, people, women especially For going sure. into the world and doing something. But I just knew that it's the best way to get to know myself. Yeah. And that's why even till this day, I just love spending time on my own. So do you have any advice for women who still might not feel as comfortable going somewhere alone and maybe they want to, you know, maybe they want to go for a dinner on their own, but they just don't. Do you have any advice for yeah, for girls like that? Totally. Like take baby steps. So at first when I went on this trip, I was like so self-conscious of being by myself, especially when I would go for meals and sit down. So I would take my journal where I was writing my book and I would write while I was having my meal or I would take a book that I was reading. Um, so you kind of have a little crutch at first And then once you get used to it, you'll like 
find the joy in it. Like being able to sit down, especially like if you're, you know, in Italy or in Europe, when you can sit down and order an epic plate of food with like a fantastic glass of wine and really like be present in the moment and savor each bite and like people watch and Mm -hmm. feel the empowerment of being there alone. It's so much fun and so life changing. But like, yeah, you take little baby steps. You know, you don't have to just like go big at the first moment. You can you can take the books and the journals that make you feel like a little more comfortable at first. If you can sum up your experience to three things that you learned besides giving up control, you have those three moments or three like thoughts or maybe, oh, I never thought this about me. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing I learned on that trip was I'm never truly abandoned because I will never abandon myself. And that was such a huge revelation for me to know that no matter what gets thrown at me or who breaks up with me or who dies on me or what happens, like I always will show up for myself and have myself and will be able to make it through. That was the biggest thing I learned on that trip. I also learned like how capable I was being by myself and how much I liked being alone. Like I really like value my alone time now. Um, you're all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm so cool. Like, I know. I love spending time. Like, with why haven't I been doing this so much, like so much more? And also yeah. like it makes you then be like, I'm so cool. Like the people that are with me are so lucky to like be able to hang out with me. <laughs> like you're welcome. I'm yeah. gracing you with my presence. Yeah. Um, and then also, which is like my biggest piece of advice to anyone that's going through any type of bullshit in their life, whether that be a divorce or a breakup or just any depression, is that no matter how dark it may seem in the moment, I promise you there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is more beautiful than you could ever imagine. You just have to keep going and put one foot in front of the other until you get there. That was amazing. And I'm so happy that you opened up this topic now about healing. And a lot of girls who write to me, they know that their relationship wasn't what it was supposed to be. They know they deserve better, but they're still struggling and they they just can't find a way to heal. Mm-hmm. So looking back, you were you know traveling through Europe and you were having your self-discovery. But is there something that you can say what helped you in your healing journey? Yeah, I think meeting yourself where you're at every single day. So there are days where you are going to be really, really low and feel like shit. And there are days when you're going to feel like you've taken five steps forward and days where you feel like you've taken 10 steps back. And all of those days are okay. You have to be willing to meet yourself where you are and be compassionate and have grace for yourself every single day. For me, on my Eat, Pray, FML trip, there were days where I would stay at the location I was staying and write for five hours and drink tea and cry. And there were days where I would go out and meet people and drink and like party. And both of those were okay. And both of those were parts of my healing. So whatever you have to do to make yourself start feeling better is what you should be doing. And I think what's so different about the book and why it's like taken off and resonated with people the way it has is like it feels like you're reading like a fun Netflix show. Like you feel like you're sitting down and having a bottle of wine with me and like 
I'm just telling you about mm-hmm. my drama that happened across Europe. But because I'm doing so much of my own healing and talking about different things that I've uncovered and how I'm healing those, you're really healing along with me. So it's really like a self-help book in disguise that doesn't feel like this is how you heal yourself. This is how you love yourself. Mm -hmm. But it is teaching you Mm -hmm. and giving you all of those gifts. When it comes to, you just mentioned loving yourself, if somebody is struggling with self-love or maybe the relationship they had, or maybe it doesn't even have to be a relationship, maybe they just don't feel confident. Do you have any advice for women? How can they build their confidence? Yeah. So I went on this trip and was like, I have to figure out how to love myself. And that's such a phrase that's thrown around so freely. And I was like, okay, I keep hearing, you know, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else. Loving yourself is the most important thing you Mm -hmm. can do. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm ready to do that. Can anyone fucking tell me how? And nobody had an answer for me. And I was like, I'm on this quest of this mythical self-love thing. And when I look in the mirror and try and be like, I love you, Gabrielle, I felt like a fucking idiot (laughs) and was like, there's got to be more to it than this. So I kept searching on this trip for like what it meant to love myself and how to do that. I figured it out when I came back from my trip, which why it's is why it's written about in the epilogue of Eat, Pray, FML. But when I came back, I fell into a really big depression because I was like I stepped off the carousel and was like, well, now you're 28, divorced, back at mom's house. What now? And I fell into a really big depression. And to pull myself out of that, I ended up sitting down and writing a list of things that I was capable of doing every day that made my soul feel better. And for me specifically, that was eating healthy, going to the gym, meditating, creating. So like writing, going dancing, like things that really made my soul feel happy. And I put that list on my mirror and was like, okay, you do one of these things a day and you can get back in bed and eat your ice cream and watch your Netflix. (laughs) Like you've earned it. Mm -hmm. And I started doing that. And then after a while, I was like, okay, two things, two things on this list. And then you can get back in bed and watch your shows. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I don't really feel like I need to get back in bed. And then it was like three things on the list, four things on the list. And the more I did it, the better and better I felt. And it was because I was loving myself. So when people realize that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves, it's a completely life-changing perspective you can have because you're no longer trying to look in the mirror and say, I love you, Gabrielle. You're so wonderful. I'm sending you all this Mm self-love. You're actively doing things each day that are making you feel better. So when you're in a relationship with a significant other or any relationship dynamic like a mother-daughter or a friendship or a sibling and you want to make that person experience love from you, you do things like acts of service. You do things that would make them experience love. So when you're talking about self-love, why would you not do those same things for yourself? I love this. You're you put you explained this perfectly because women often ask me like how do you build confidence and how do you seem so confident and I usually say because I just follow through the promises I give to myself but it's like okay if you have a task like you were saying like it doesn't have to be a huge task I don't want women to be like okay I'll just run a marathon it doesn't have to be like that you can just say I'm gonna 
make my bed every morning. I'm going to make breakfast every morning. I'm going to go to the gym and you don't have to have a full on hit workout. You can just walk. Like I told you, I was walking two hours before yeah. our, uh, conversation because I just felt like I needed to walk. I didn't want to lift weights and stuff that I usually do. And, and then after a while, you're just going to see like, I can do anything I want and everything I set my mind to. And I like to use this analogy of, let's say if you have a job and you have a boss and your boss tells you that you have to send five emails to five people, you're going to do that. And if you don't do that, your boss is going to call you out and he's going to be like, well, why are you not doing this? this is what I told you to do. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be like, oh shit, I should do this. So then you're going to do the task that your boss told you to do. So why don't you put yourself in charge? You're the boss of your own life and you know, your to-do lists. And some people are like, oh, what you're putting a to-do list, like, oh, make your bed, make your meal just so you can check it off. But like, yeah, why not? Because, you know, if you are going through stuff like this, if you're going through a very ex traumatic experience, when I was going through my shit, I literally could not smile. Mm -hmm. Like my body could not smile. And when I was going through my therapy, when I was talking to my therapist, she told me you have to dance 30 minutes every day. I love that. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> First off, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> Secondly, I was like, what do you mean? Why? And she said, because your body currently doesn't know how to be happy. So you have to artificially kind of make yourself happy because you're going to start creating all these um, chemicals in your brain, endorphins, whatever. And when you dance, that's what happens. And also she told me like, just smile. She's like, it's going to look super weird, but just like smile because your brain doesn't always yeah. know the difference between what's actually funny and, you know, how you feel happy. So totally. I love all of this. I hope that this is going to, I mean, I'm sure this is going to help so many people. I love this. Okay. You are in a relationship now, or you guys are married, or tell me about what's going on today. And you have a baby on the I way. I do. Yeah. That's why my face looks all puffy and swollen and pregnant. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I am in a, in a very happy and healthy relationship, although it took a lot for me to get there. So the first book is Eat, Pray, FML. The second book is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. That's the book where you meet my now husband and see the back and forth and like the crazy journey that it took us to get to where we are now. Um, but we are happily married and have a, a baby boy that's coming in a couple months. And it really has been this incredible journey when I look back on it from all the people that have read both of the books, gotten to know me, gotten to know him from reading the second book and has followed us on this journey now to see the reactions of like when we announced our engagement on social media to like when we posted about the wedding and posted about the baby, like how all of these strangers are sending us so much love and support because they feel so connected to our story and have healed through watching my bullshit and my trauma and like my healing and relationship. Um, it's been this like really special experience to know that there are so many people that welcome us with like open arms when, you know, it's it's tough to talk about stuff that's mm -hmm. so personal so publicly. And I've been really blessed with the readership and the listeners of my podcast, like how much they just absolutely love us and support us along the way. This is something I, I actually wanted to ask you. Uh, when you started sharing Eat, Pray, FML and did you ever think like, oh, I should just keep this to myself? Or did you ever have like those moments where why am I doing this? Or like, 
Because I know when I post content, I mean, dating and dating advice in the very beginning, I had a lot of people who were telling me I'm very cringe. I'm sure like that happens to every creator, mm-hmm. but it's like a very personal thing. It's like different when you're sharing your entire life journey versus when you're sharing like an outfit. Right. So how was that time for I you? I never thought maybe I shouldn't share this. I knew from the moment I found out I was going on this trip by myself, I was like, I'm going to write a book about it. It's going to be a big deal and it's going to help a lot of people heal. That being said, that doesn't mean that I wasn't like nervous about putting certain aspects of my life out there. When my mom read the first like vomit draft of the book, she was like, Gabrielle, are you sure you don't want to change your name or take out one of the men that you slept with? And I was like, no, mom, it has to be (laughs) raw and real and people are going to relate to it. Um, And but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, of course, like when you're putting like so much of your own like vulnerable life out there, like, look, while 95 percent of the reviews of Eat, Pray, FML come in and like are glowing and they like absolutely love it, there is a solid five percent of people that think I am horrible and should like crawl under a rock and die and that's part of like putting out yeah it's putting out subjective art you're never gonna please everybody there's always gonna be people that are offended for like some reason of or other and it's just part of the game it's more difficult when it's really vulnerable material that you're putting out but you learn Mm -hmm. you learn to Mm -hmm. to live with it and to take everything with a grain of salt and whenever i I don't look at reviews anymore, but whenever for some reason I will see like a shitty comment posted online or like happen to see a bad review, I will go to some of my favorite books of all time that are like beloved books of the world and click on their one star reviews. And you very quickly (laughs) realize that like there's always going to be people that just hate on things. And like that's Mm -hmm. just part Mm -hmm. of like being in a world where there are so many different personalities that exist. I love that. That's such great advice. Speaking of your book, can we do a little giveaway for my audience? I would love to do a little giveaway for your audience. Okay. Can we give both We can. I can do a little book bundle. (laughs) Oh, love it. Okay. A signed copy. Am I pushing too far? No, yeah. I will will send whoever wins. I will send a signed copy of the, the first and second book. Okay, so bougie besties, the way you're gonna be a part of the giveaway, you know how I always post those little reels on my bougie best friend podcast page, (laughs) go to that page and drop a comment and obviously follow Gabrielle on her socials because I will be checking. And just tell us what did you learn from this episode? Because I can't like I literally can't even believe that you the the love bombing such an interesting take. Oh, I love that. Like I just learned that. I love that. So I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna remember this. Let me let me tell you something I learned recently on a podcast. Let's say when you have those not on a podcast on my podcast <laughs> when I uh, I was talking to a therapist and she said like whenever you have those like crazy thoughts or like when your mind is just like full of a lot of things, just think of your mind as an unsupervised puppy. Mm. You just gotta train your mind because you are in control of your thoughts. And actually, you're in control of your emotions. Yep. It's just the way you react to things. So just whenever you're in that little frazzled moment, just think of yourself as an unsupervised I puppy. I love that. I love I, I love, love the too. analogy. Mm-hmm. And also going back to when you were like saying, just smile, even if it feels weird. There's so much brain science out there that will tell you like, look, even when you're starting to try and like shift your perspective, 
if if it feels funky and it feels fake, it's fine. Like your brain doesn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. So anytime mm-hmm. that you're trying to like police your thoughts and retrain your brain, if you like are continuously thinking about your ex after you've like blocked his ass, anytime that that fucker pops into your head, you go, nope, we're not going to go there. We're going to think about this instead. And like, even if you're lying to yourself, it works. It works. <laughs> like, it's just a muscle that yeah. you have to train. Like, you just have to stay on top of it. Anytime you have a thought that's like, I'm so tired, like, and you're walking around being like, oh, God, I'm just so tired. You're telling yourself that you're tired. So even if you are physically mm-hmm. tired, stop and be like, Nope, I'm full of energy. I have so much energy. It's so great. I feel so fantastic. You might be fucking lying to yourself, but your brain doesn't know the Mm -hmm. difference. So start policing your thoughts because the more you think and say things, like you're creating that as your reality. Amazing. I have one final question that I ask all of my guests. What piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, God. So many things. (laughs) I think I would say... And it's a piece of advice that my mother gave to me. Um, keep your heart open. So no matter what happens, who cheats on you, who dies, what trauma comes up, keep your heart open. Because so many times when things happen to us that suck in life, we want to put that wall up around our heart. And if I would have done that after my divorce and getting cheated on, I would have not met Javier, would not have fallen in love, gotten my heart broken gone on this incredible journey that changed me as a person and helped heal so many so many things within me wouldn't have had the career that I have now like it completely changed my life so when things get rough make a conscious decision to keep your heart open beautiful I love it Gabrielle tell everybody where they can find you socials website I am on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone and TikTok at Gabrielle underscore Stone the books are exclusively available on Amazon the first is Eat Pray FML the second is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl you can also get both of them signed on my website which is eatprayfml.com and I also have a self-love healing journal called Fuck Off I'm Healing which is really a step-by-step guide where I walk you through all of the bullshit life has thrown at you and really give you poignant (laughs) questions and prompts to help you unravel some of that and uh, get you started on your healing journey. Well, Gabrielle, this was wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for having me, girl. (laughs) Bye-bye.